Dear Diary, today I take the next step, the next step in being an ADHD life coach at Indigo Hub. I can't believe it's happening. I want to build, create and discover a place for us to truly be ourselves. I think this journey will be... Dear Diary, welcome world to the Indigo Diaries and welcome to our new series, Series 3, The World Through Our Eyes, with me, Tasha Hicklin. The Indigo Diaries is a podcast for those who want to learn about ADHD through others' experiences. So this week we're excited uh, because we're kicking off Season 3 with finally getting an expert on here and I'm really excited to have people come and discuss a variety of things and today we're going to kick it off with an open mind session. So we're going to discuss a topic kind of have some awareness for the audience, something to leave with. So today's episode title is why ADHDers are susceptible to burnout and how to protect yourself. So without a doubt, welcome Anna Granta. Thank you. It's great to be here. So let me tell you a bit about Anna. Anna Granta has ADHD dyslexia and helps neurodivergent adults to remove roadblocks in their professional and personal lives to have more success with less stress. After recovering from several bouts of burnout, Anna Granta now coaches neurodivergent leaders, i.e. with ADHD, ASD, dyslexia, etc., working with the whole person with a focus on achieving greater impact at work. Her clients become more confident, more skilled at working with others and better able to work on tasks that are most impactful. Well, I mean, just, just wow, Anna, like, I mean, from personal experience and professional, I'm just very 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 fortunate to have you here today that's very kind I'm really excited to be here and, and chat with you okay Anna so why don't you just kind of tell us a bit about yourself and kind of your kind of uh, neurodivergent story sure um so I was lucky enough to have a teacher when I was probably about seven who identified that I was dyslexic she had personal experience of a, a close family member who was dyslexic and um you know that was that was to my good fortune really um but back then in the uh 90s there wasn't the same understanding of neurodivergence that we have today so although i was diagnosed with dyslexia i wasn't screened for commonly co-occurring conditions yeah. such as adhd um and actually looking back there were loads of signs of adhd <laughs> but there wasn't an adult in my life who was aware of what those signs were yeah. um, and who was on the board um on the ball and so i got this dyslexia diagnosis which didn't really come with a whole lot of support uh maybe some extra spelling tests um, but not not the kind of global support that we perhaps yeah. now recognize as necessary for your brain works differently um uh and so but that was that really um for then so i had a little bit of support at primary school disappeared at secondary school nothing at university i'm not sure i even disclosed my dyslexia at university honestly because i just didn't like see how that would help me or um kind of understand that I deserved support for it um and so I muddled through um I ended up working in tech which is wow. a good place for neurodivergent yeah. people I think there are a lot of us hiding there so hello if there's anybody listening who also works in tech um and I loved the the fast place the kind of the the excitement 
um, and the fact that you see results very quickly, there's a sort of almost instant gratification in that sort of feedback cycle. Instant dopamine, dopamine hit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so that in a way was me finding an environment that suited me. Um, and that was, that was great for a while. Then I had a child. <laughs> oh, okay. Then the, bo- <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that was a big life change. Right. And the things that I'd been kind of depending on to support me, they weren't there anymore. And, and suddenly I was like doing this thing by myself. I mean, I had a partner, but he was at work a lot of the time. I was, alone really a lot of the time um with this child and so I didn't have the like accountability or the body doubling um or the like teamwork didn't have the dopamine because it's really boring looking after small children don't tell them I said that I love them to don't tell any children don't tell any children you didn't hear it here (laughs) but you know it that was my experience um and so I think that was the point where my issue really became unmanageable because I didn't have the the things that I I have been using um, at that point. Common to many women with ADHD, I was diagnosed with anxiety. Mm. It wasn't anxiety; it was ADHD. But it it shows up as anxiety, yeah, doesn't it? it does, yeah. um, and so you know, I'm I'm passionate about spreading awareness so that other people in the same boat maybe have a, a shorter path to get the support that they need. I'm sure that's why you're you're doing what you're doing too. Yeah, that's what um, we all do, isn't it? So that they don't have that that long, you know, like you said, you got diagnosed as a child, like with dyslexia, but you didn't get that much support. And then, and then anxiety came and then the ADHD came later. So it's just kind of, you want to support people so they can get it earlier. So it's yeah. not as hard. Well, we hope, yeah. we hope so. Yeah. And share these stories so that if people are going through that, they can go, hmm, that sounds really familiar. I wonder if I should look into and start that path of, of kind of self-advocacy. Um, yeah, so then, you know, a few years of anxiety and work and children and, and juggling all the stuff. Um, eventually, to cut a long story short, um, after a, another bout of burnout, I decided to quit my what was by then quite a senior high pressure tech role wow. um, and start as a life coach just do something totally different um and at that point um some women who were local to me who had ADHD came to me and were like well we need an ADHD coach but there aren't any around here this was pre-pandemic when everybody was working locally um and they were like well would you kind of be able to look into this and, and help us and I was like learning new stuff this sounds exciting give me all the books um and then through that process really I come to, came to discover oh right this is wow. a this is a very familiar thing and and realized that yeah she I'd had ADHD all along I mean that's like the fact that someone came to you and asked for a service and then from that doing the reset and the hyper focus <laughs> looking at ADHD you figured out that you had it as well how was that for you when you kind of figured that out um do you know what it was it was fine because I'd already done the kind of I have dyslexia and I accept that and it's it is a disability but it's also a strength and you know I'm happy with my brain like I wouldn't trade my brain and it was kind of another dimension of that so there wasn't ever a like oh no what am I gonna do it was much more 
finally I have the words to describe my experience um and this is this is great really oh I'm, I'm really glad that it was that for you and that it came you know from and then since your diagnosis what have you been doing since then so that now I focus on coaching people with ADHD primarily wow a woman to my heart <laughs> quit your job I did the same thing quit the job life coach but I, I think that's yeah. amazing that that someone came to you and asked for how you then discovered it yourself and then you've turned your whole practice around to help others with ADHD just yeah so tell us a bit about kind of the burnout because obviously that's a big a big a big part of kind of why why we're here (laughs) um also also I know that's a big part of your practice so kind of tell me a bit about kind of from your own experience what like an ADHD burnout is yeah so it's it's quite a range of sort of different possible experiences so the the most intense burnout I ever had was when I was training to be a teacher um and I just I did the um straight in the school find the hardest school I can because that sort of appealed to my sense of justice and supporting the kids who needed me most totally don't do that was a horrible mistake but the um from like Christmas to about March was just so hard that by um, March I think it was I just got to a point where I like my friends of my husband made me phone the doctor because I was so stressed and I wasn't eating and I wasn't sleeping and so I phoned the doctor and I was planning to go in for that last day mm-hmm. and then go to the doctor after school and kind of talk to them and get probably get signed off work and I just couldn't go in that last day I knew it was one day and I just I was just sat in the chair and I couldn't move like I physically couldn't get out of that chair um so I didn't go in that day and then I spoke to the doctor and then I did get signed off um, work for a few weeks. And then I took those few weeks to kind of reevaluate and go, do you know what? This is not for me. I do not have what it takes and I'm not putting myself through this and, um, you know, do something different. Um, but that it was that like literally paralyzed. I just I couldn't get up it wasn't even that like I couldn't go to the work I just I couldn't get out the chair and it was several weeks of like just really doing nothing before I was like okay I can I can go for a walk you know I can I can listen to the meditation that you're supposed to do and all of that stuff like there was a a period of just nothing before I could do that and then it was like yeah okay so I'm just sort of wow do the relaxing things yeah do the stuff that's for you right not this yeah Yeah. the rat race of uh, well yeah that's one to my heart with the teaching uh oh very similar yeah so um tell me a bit about kind of what got led to that burnout so what what kind of led from you know you said from like after december to march you know march that paralyzed and you just can't do it and it's and it's i mean it's just so difficult it's like a wall isn't it and you just can't there's no there's no oh let's try this it it gets to that point where you can't physically do it so tell me a bit kind of what led to that so I think justice sensitivity played a big role in it it was being unfairly treated myself but also watching the kids being treated unfairly and being powerless to stop 
And I think the thing that really ramped up that burnout experience for me and kind of accelerated me into that state was when I went to ask the people who were supposed to be supporting me to actually do their jobs and support me, the gaslighting that I was met with. That was the really the thing that just intensified the whole experience. I mean, there was obviously stress because it was a really stressful job, but it wasn't just stress, if that makes sense. Yeah, it wasn't just the stress. There was added things to it. And that, yeah. that's really sad that it's the people that are in charge that, that do that gaslighting and stuff like that. That just is. So was that more of like an emotional burnout? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it was I think it was a combination of, of all the stuff. Right. But I think with ADHD, we like we care deeply and I think that is a great thing but it is one of the factors that makes us more susceptible to this burnout because I wasn't able to go do you know what they're not going to support me I've just got to look after myself I was like this is their job they have to help me like quite naive um and I think that's probably an experience that a lot of ADHDers have had yeah Anna can you um that justice sensitivity I mean I, I know that personally myself and through my profession but can you just kind of tell us a bit like tell, just in case anyone doesn't know what that is just kind of explain what that is and how that shows up with ADHD sure um it's this idea that when things are unfair we can't kind of let them go we can't put them in perspective we can't chill out about it it just it really gets to us mm. gets under our skin and sticks in our head and this real intense feeling of that's not fair you know and it's it's partly that black or white thinking of like either things are fair or they're not fair and there's no none of this gray nonsense that neurotypicals talk about like it's not right (laughs) and I know it's not right and I'm not going to let it go until it's right or until I have no energy left to do anything at all I love that the gray nonsense (laughs) we have nothing of the gray but yeah like you said it's that and that and that can get like people think that it you know just let go just let Mm. it go and it's like no I can't let it go just and that's the gray isn't it just let it go and we're like no we've got but then you know that obviously can cause a lot of you know stress for ourselves having to kind of hold that pressure on ourselves and when you don't have the ability to affect the change that is needed, that's when that pressure really comes, isn't it? Yeah, because you just literally just hitting a brick wall. And then it's just boom, boom, boom. And then who who's the one that's going to lose out yourself because you're the one that's keep pushing and pushing, pushing and you're not getting anywhere. So yeah. kind of you said that after the burnout, you kind of had that um, that. Sorry, my mind's gone blank. Sorry, my alarm just went off for my medication. (laughs) A whole ADHD moment there. So um, you said there that after the burnout, you kind of just had two weeks of nothing. So tell us a bit about what happened there. Um, I mean, I sat in my chair for a lot of the time and grad, like after several days really of just kind of sitting in the chair eating going to bed it was like okay I need to go to the bike shop around the corner and get my bike looked at like maybe that's a thing I can do today but that was like a whole day's worth of thing just to do a thing 
Um, and then I started a crochet a lot. I find it very soothing, kind of tactile. Um, so, you know, after a bit, I was able to kind of pick that up and start making very simple things following a pattern. And I think that's part of that process of coming out of burnout is you, you don't have a lot of inspiration and creativity and passion even in burnout. You've kind of you used up all of those things. You have to sort of slowly start to do the things that you used to enjoy in a small easy way and then as you do them you kind of reconnect with I did used to like doing this and you kind of start to get that spark back like that so it's like a more than just like a burnout and then right let's get back into it the next day it's more like a easing yourself back into the things that you do like before then obviously going back back or changing what you were doing before so after you kind of had those few weeks off and what kind of happened there, like what, when you got that spark back, what kind of, what decisions kind of did you make with the job and things like that? Yeah, well, I had to decide if I was going to go back and then I had to decide if I wasn't going back there, was I going to go back somewhere else and finish my course somewhere else or was I just going to not and do something totally different? Um and I was really lucky. Well, no, it's not lucky. I was entitled to time off work because I couldn't work. But I'm really glad I had that time off work because it meant I didn't have to make those decisions straight away because it's not right, really, to make a big life changing decision when you are deep in burnout. Um, so I, I didn't make that decision for, I think, about a month. Um, and then I did decide, actually, that the trust is broken in such a way between me and the course not not just the school that I don't want to go back because the amount of enthusiasm that I started that course with I wasn't going to get back to that level of enthusiasm anytime soon and so I decided that it wasn't going to work out um but yeah it was really really helpful to just not have like you have to decide to to give myself the time to actually decide that and I think I, th- I liked what you said that I'm looking, no, I'm entitled to this time off. Yeah. And I like that, you, you know, you change that because it is, you're entitled, right? It's, it's that you deserve that time off. Like you, you've gone through a difficult time. You need that time off. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear you. Obviously not, it's not very nice. It's bits that you gave yourself that time because that's what I find a lot of people don't do is give themselves permission to take that time yeah and you know as well yeah definitely and I I found it really validating to have GP go yeah this is serious you're not eating you're not sleeping we we're going to take this seriously I'm happy to sign you off and it's it's a shame in a way that I needed that validation from the GP that I couldn't kind of feel that myself but yeah that's what I want to tell people if if you're feeling like that you need to stop. <laughs> you need to put yourself first and you need to slowly rebuild and it takes time to do that. Okay. Well, I think that's a good time to finish this first half. And we're going to come back and talk a bit more about how to rebuild and how to kind of see those burnouts and move forward from there. Okay, thanks, Anna. Great, thank you. And we're out. If you would like any more information on Indigo Hub or our Indigo support group, 
then please check out our website below or our link to our social media platforms or email at indigohub.adhd at gmail.com. If you would like to offer any comments, feedback, get support, or if you're interested in the world hearing your story, then please reach out through any of our avenues. As said before, have a positive week. Check in again later. And we're out. And we're back. And if you weren't here before, then I'm not going to do a summary. Rewind now. <laughs> um, so we were talking to Anna Granta and uh, about burnout. And she was telling us a bit about her experience with burnout. And now we're kind of going to kind of go into the direction of, you know, being able to give you something to leave with today. And uh, that's a big thing for me is, is being able to people to get something out of this. And um, so thank you so much, Anna, for sharing in that first half. To kind of tell us a bit about kind of what things that you see kind of with clients or others or yourself kind of the effects of burnout or the things that that kind of cause burnout or the actual burnout itself yeah um, so burnout is a prolonged stress that you you don't have really control over and it, it can be a lot of different things so obviously a lot of neurodivergent people have sensory sensitivities and so it can be you know the prolonged stress of going into an office every day where there's a lot of background noise and that might be harsh fluorescent lighting and you never get time to yourself to decompress um it can be you know I know you work with a lot of children I think children get school burnout because school is not a uh, relaxing environment for no. a lot of neurodivergent people <laughs> and that daily stress of kind of having to behave having to put the mask on that can contribute to burnout um so I think the, the causes of burnout vary from person to person but you know you're burnt out when you don't enjoy the stuff that you used to enjoy when you just feel like you're you might be surviving but you're not enjoying life you're like a hamster on a wheel um, and everything feels a bit gray uh, and there's just not that sort of joy in your life that there used to be and it, it can happen suddenly like, like I described but it can also happen really gradually um, and where you almost don't notice until you're quite deep in it um, and that's another type of burnout but you know whichever one it is you've got to take it seriously um, and you've got to make some changes you know I really like that it can be a gradual one where it's gradual over day you know you feel like you're running that rat race or that hamster wheel every day and it, all the stuff you used to enjoy like exercise or meeting friends it's like oh you know again again but then it can be that sudden one that you had and that everyone's is different so kind of you said there that you've got you've got to make that change so what what kind of how do people know when they get to the point of actually like pure burnout um, I think you said not enjoying seeing friends. That's a big sign. You know, we have some of us are less social than others, but mm -hmm. we're all kind of made for connection with other human beings. And when the thought of spending time with somebody that you used to really enjoy spending time with, it's just like another thing to deal with. That's burnout, right? When you're snappy to the people that you care about, when you just when you're resentful of other people for doing nice things because you can't imagine 
having the time or the energy to do those things that's mm. that's burnout wow I mean yeah and it can and it can appear obviously how does do you think the ADHD kind of impacts that burnout because obviously a burnout can happen to neurotypicals as well right but yeah how does it how does it kind of do you feel like kind of has that impact with ADHD yeah um so I think a lot of ADHDers have less intuitive understanding of their emotional state than neurotypicals and so we can end up further into burnout before we even notice and identify that there's a problem um, so that's one difference um, we heard a lot of messages growing up about how our needs weren't valid maybe from people who didn't understand that our needs were different to theirs yes, but yeah. that that distances us from our own understanding of our needs and so you know, we, we hear the messages that were given to us in our childhood, just try harder, it's not that difficult, don't be lazy, just get on and do it. And we say those things to ourselves when we're in the early stages of burnout. And what that does is it pushes us deeper into burnout. Um, so that's one thing. I mean, there is also a, a correlation, studies have shown between ADHD and workaholism. So some of us get our dopamine hit from our job and then when we're struggling we want more we want more we want more um and that can lead us down a path towards burnout um and then life is just more stressful when you are you when your brain works differently to the way that the world was designed for you know workplaces often very stressful for for neurodivergent people and so there's that kind of extra everyday stress and then every social interaction might have that extra stress of, I don't know exactly what the rules are I hope I'm playing by the right rules why will nobody ever just tell me what the rules are <laughs> you know, and when you add up that daily stress that can be the difference between a neurotypical kind of having a bad week and then getting over it or a, a person with ADHD having a bad week and not being able to get over it yeah I think that that's that's really validating what you said there that extra it's just that extra intensity isn't it of it and then like obviously if you've got you know plus five let's say if you're a math person every day over a period of time that's just gonna you know and and, and that's when the burnout occurs so how do we kind of my question is how do we kind of deal with that burnout or what kind of tips or or kind of things do you have for people to try to, you know, to build their awareness or to, to get themselves out of that burnout? Yeah, so, so noticing what's happening is the first step, right? And, and I mentioned that with ADHD, we don't always have a good sort of intuitive understanding of our feelings. That is a skill that we can practice. Mm -hmm. um, so things like journaling, meditation done in an ADHD friendly way, I actually have an ADHD friendly walking meditation on my oh, website. Um, yeah, because a lot of people with ADHD, they hear meditation and they think being judged because I can't sit still for half an hour. That's not helpful. Um, yeah, I love how you turn that around. <laughs> ADHD friendly meditation. So go onto yeah. Anna's website now. <laughs> um, so I lost my train of thought now. How do you get out of burnout? Yeah, so identifying it is really important. And then, you know, look around at your life. Where are the things that are stressing you? Where does that plus five that you talked about come from? You know, is it certain people whose social 
expectations are exhausting you can you distance yourself from them reduce your exposure is it certain physical environments that are stressing you out what can you do to change them or remove yourself from them you know is it work um in the early stages can you make changes but if it's got really bad can you withdraw from that you know by going to a doctor to get signed off for a period of time or by finding somewhere else that's gonna meet your needs better um so yeah identifying what those stresses are those kind of daily stresses and doing what you can about them but then also being really protective of your energy right I don't have enough energy I'm burnt out my energy is my most valuable resource right now where am I spending it where can I cut back what can I do that's going to give me more yeah so kind of noticing what's going on and then kind of identifying where it's taking place and what is really getting the stresses and then kind of the solution of kind of you know where to cut back yeah yeah pretty much what would you say if people are at that point of burnout so like at the pure burnout you know like the, a bit like kind of what happened to you that sudden burnout where you have that day and you just paralyze what would you say to people then like what yeah um well I I teach a program called burnout recovery crew and I there are three stages once you've identified burnout it's learning to relax it's a skill. We don't always know <laughs> intuitively how to relax. Um, and actually, if we've been stressed for a long time, our body is used to being stressed. Our body feels almost comfortable in a stress state and relaxing and letting go of some of that stress is hard. So I teach people how to practice moving from a stress state to a not stress state and you might find you move straight back to stressed but every time you practice that moving to a not stressed state you are showing your body what not stress feels like and you're building those skills and over time you start to get comfortable with not being stressed mm. um, so that's the first piece then I the second piece is find your balance so this is about setting up routines so that you've got the kind of the right support in place day to day um, and you're aware of how much energy you've got and where you're spending it and you're cutting back on excess spending and you're kind of building things into your routine that give you energy and then the third piece is ignite your creativity and this is where you go okay I've found a sort of equilibrium. What was that stuff I used to enjoy? Where where did joy belong in my life? And, and how do I start to find my way back to that? I really like that you don't just go, okay, right, you've had the burnout. Okay, let's go. You know, it's that breaking down. And I know that relaxation. Key. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's it's so difficult. I'll have to come and do your course because that relaxation key is so is so challenging for us. And I like that you said it's a skill it is not an easy thing when you've got an ADHD brain, right? And it's and it's learning that skill, building that, and then building the balance. And then when you've got that, finding the things you enjoy. So it's almost like, you know, you've got your foundation and then you're building up from that. Yeah. Wow. And how do you find that, you know, when, when people are at that burnout, right? So like, I find that the, one of the hardest things is kind of giving yourself permission to take the time and to you know, learn to relax. How, what would you say for people like that? 
Yeah, what I say is some of the things that you need as a neurodivergent people look like wants to neurotypicals. And so they're associated with a lot of guilt. So, for example, I need quiet time without my children interrupting me every day. That sounds selfish to a neurotypical person. It sounds like, well, yeah, sure. I'd love to put my feet up and have a cup of tea on the stair. That would be great. But you don't need it. But like, no, I actually do need it. They don't need it. They would like it. I need it. That's the difference because my brain works in a different way. I have different needs to other people, but they can see our needs and go, that's just a want. That's just a selfish want. And it's not. But we hear that voice in the culture around us so many times we start to believe it and we start to think, I don't really need like for the radio to be turned off when people are talking to me. That's just a weird quirk I've got. I don't really need like to only eat food of a certain texture. That's just me being difficult. Like, no, you need those things. Um, And so I think that's where a lot of the guilt creeps in that we don't understand. Our needs are different to other people's. We need things that they don't. And that they're valid needs. They're different needs, but they're still valid. No, I want it's a need. Yeah, and that's so true, isn't it? Because we, you know, we, we, it's almost like we like, oh, is this okay? <laughs> it's like, yes, this is okay because you need it. You know, like if you go to a party and you know that your emotions or your energy needs to be saved, you know, taking five minutes out of why you're at a party. You know, it's that, it's that yeah. thing of giving yourself permission to do things that you need that are not in society's view as things that most people need. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay. I think that's a good way to kind of send this up. We've got, we got a nice few things there to take away for people and, you know, what to do if you're in that burnout, how to then build it up and then kind of giving yourself permission to, to give you what self what you need. Yeah. Any last thoughts, Anna? Yeah. I mean, my, my passion is that neurodivergent adults are an asset to organizations and they thrive in the right environment so if you are burnt out you might not be in the right environment but that is not a you problem it is not you that needs to change it's the environment you know as adults we have control over our environment we have choices and when you learn what it is that you need and how to ask for it you actually can have what you need to be able to change the world are they your words yeah I love that and it's so true because we have to give ourselves permission, right? Without that permission point and being able to ask for what we need, then that's when the burnout's going to come because we'll keep yeah. pushing to be in a neurotypical world when we, we need other things. Thank you so much, Anna. This has been really insightful. And I really, it's nice to have your personal experience, but then you're also your professional and, and and then knowing, like, giving people things to actually try and go and try out today. So kind of, well, not today, because <laughs> you know what I mean? So where can, if people want to get in contact with you, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so they can email me at anna at grantacoaching.com. Uh, they can find my website, www.grantacoaching.com. Um, and social media, I'm most active on Twitter, uh, where my handle is Anna Granta. I'm also on Instagram and Pinterest as Granta Coaching. But uh, yeah, if you've, if you've got questions, then please do reach out. I love connecting with this community, with people who understand and uh, helping where I can. Thanks, Anna. And I mean, it just shows, right? You know, 
you know, you became a life coach, someone said ADHD, and then you changed your whole career, you know, around that to help people like yourself and like ourselves. So all that uh, details, if you're like trying to get your pen and you're trying to scribble it down, <laughs> all the information is below. If you struggle with burnout, then please reach out to Anna because she's a really great asset and, you know, try a course, you know, reach out because, you know, you don't have to do this alone. So thanks so much again, Anna, and um, just a great person to have. And I'm so happy to have you to have had come on here. So it was an absolute pleasure. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. So we leave another story and we leave another, uh, another diary. So in two weeks, we'll be dropping a new episode uh, with either a new podcast of series one or another amazing expert like today. If you're interested in coming on as a guest or if you would like to share your story in series one, then please reach out through our social media avenues and e or emails. And I hope you come back learn listen and experience the world through not my eyes but our eyes and we're out dear diary as indigo hub's process goes on it makes me stop and wonder could there be more for us more light more experience and more ways to see the world through our own eyes i think this journey will be Shh.